0: the negative world podcast a podcast about video games by the nintendo fans and negativeworld.org this is episode 47 and we are recording this on thursday april 25th 2013 i'm your host Stephen, or as i'm known on the boards dr finkelstein today we are joined by none other than chris or as he's known on the boards chris bg99 hi everybody welcome chris uh it's been quite a while since you've been on the podcast huh yep yep well we're happy to have you back And also with us is uh, my co-host, as usual, Joe, a.k.a. Ninsage. Welcome. That's me.
1: Glad to be back. And uh, good to finally talk with you, Chris.
2: Nice to meet you, too, Joe.
0: All right. With the pleasantries out of the way, let's jump right into Now Playing. Uh, Chris, what have you been playing, man?
2: Well, uh... Most part for the last few weeks, I've been kind of, uh, in a bit of a slump as far as gaming. Mostly just playing whatever little things I can, I, I can play to make myself, try to get myself going again. Like, I beat a copy of, uh, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga where I was at the final boss that took me almost 10 years to get to. <laughs> well, kind of weird like that.
0: Better uh, late than never.
2: I beat. Uh, Pitfall, the main adventure on the Genesis, because it was there. But I really haven't been able to put myself into anything that takes a whole lot of time. I don't know. I just haven't really felt like if I like just sitting down and playing something. Mostly, spent most of my time watching uh, episodes of Disney's Gargoyles on YouTube. <laughs> I love that show. But right now, I'm I'm actually have delved into something. I was playing, uh, been playing Fatal Frame 2, Crimson Butterfly on the PS2. And if you like horror games. And don't like the way most of them are going nowadays. With they're mostly action games with slightly scary elements. You'll probably like the Fatal Frame games. They are they just pretty much ooze creepiness in them. They, they what was
1: since, what was the one that there was a, a Wii game I think that was like uh was like Fatal Frame Four or something like that. Yeah, that's
3: I, that's I that, that here. Right, never came here,
1: but I remember when the game was, like, first announced, I was looking at it, and, you know, before we even knew if it was going to be localized or not, and I was like, I can't play this game, this is too friggin' scary. And, like, I love Resident Evil, but, like, this game, oh, give me...
0: And I had the opposite reaction, because I don't care for Resident Evil and that sort of thing, yet I was very interested in the Fatal Frame game when it was apparently coming.
2: Yeah, it's just like, uh, there, and this is uh, apparently the second Fatal Frame game made for the Wii in Japan is a remake of Fatal Frame Two, from what I understand, and we didn't get that one either. But not like it matters anymore. But yeah, the overall atmosphere is really oppressing. It's like, uh, it reminds me of when I first played Silent Hill on the PlayStation, where you're kind of overmatched by pretty much everything. You don't really know what's going on, and the just really really creepy and it doesn't rely on jump scares like resident evil games so you're and if it does hit you with a jump scare it mostly earns them by kind of making you think any time one could happen but usually it doesn't Mm -hmm. and and i think big part of the fact that you're playing as whether or not people might think it's weird you're playing as you know teenage japanese girls and they're basically they're basically unequipped for such a thing so it's and some some of the situations it's like you got you run into characters who are you know ghouls or covered in blood or something like that. It's like eh. and
1: you
2: get into the, you get into the kind of the weird rituals that are going around that caused this and all kind of all kind of stuff. And
0: so, is the story pretty interesting?
2: Uh, it's one of those. It's interesting and like there's a mystery of why why this is happening. Why something like why these two girls were drawn into this this village that apparently. Everyone disappeared year, many years ago, and all of a sudden they need them back, and they're, I think the basic plot is that they're both the reincarnations of a, a pair of twins who were supposed to be sacrificed to stop a evil demon from coming from the underworld, and one of them escaped. So they weren't able to properly do it, so it just kind of caused all kind of bad things to happen for the people there. Right. But for most part, it's like it's like how uh, the first Resident, well, the like the first Resident Evil game tells you that it doesn't tell you much. You kind of piece together what happened through logs and, and various like radio type recordings that you find.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool though. I mean, that's what Bioshock does. Metroid Prime kind of, you know.
2: Yeah, it's. It's a good mechanic, because you're not necessarily... You don't necessarily have to read this stuff, but you want to, because it'll really open up the world for you.
0: And it adds a discovery it. element to the gameplay and to the experience.
2: Yeah. And I wish there were more horror games like it, because most of them are action games nowadays with, you know, with they call themselves horror games, like Resident Evil Posts 4.
0: Right. It's
2: it's an action game, and it's not, it's not scary. It's just kind of dull now.
0: Why do you think people are shying away from these kind of games uh,
2: i don't know they probably don't s- they sell better in japan obviously since it's the ja- the very japanese horror style right you know you see a lot of you see a lot of girls who look like ghosts of girls who look like uh characters from the ring sure you know the big long hair <laughs> yeah
0: just when you were describing this that's what i was envisioning in my head
2: it, it's yeah it kind of feels like i'm not i'm not a big horror movie fan myself i like horror games I don't like horror movies, so
0: um, go figure. Yeah,
1: I'm that way as well. I really have no use for horror movies, but certain certain games, uh, I'm into it.
2: And it it really feels like, you know, these things could kill you quite quickly, but you know, you know, got the only offends, defense is a uh, camera, which seems completely absurd.
0: Right, so there's no guns, there's no nothing like that. It's just no all guns, cameras. no
2: nothing. You either run away, which is kind of tough, since it's kind of got that. It's not quite Resident Evil controls, but yet it's kind of Awkward uh, maneuver.
0: Does the uh, camera? The camera kill spots? Well, yeah. the the actual like. Oh, the camera. Uh, the game's, the games camera, camera. yeah.
2: Oh yeah, it's 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 a little bit of a Silent Hills. It's more like Silent Hills camera, where the camera follows you around a little bit, but it's kind of locked in positions. Mm-hmm. It's not like in Resident Evil where you're switching from one screen to a ne- to the next.
0: And but then so but you said the controls though are still kind of very kind of directional and
2: yeah if you move forward you move up moving up either will send you away from the screen will send you away from from you pushing down will send you towards and it's kind of confusing sure and if you there's a run button but if you Hold the run button; she runs no matter what. She runs whether or not you're uh, holding the control, put or holding the stick down. Mm. So you can kind of get stuck in a uh, sending yourself backwards and stuff in between camera switches.
0: Right. Yeah, but so it, it mostly clunky. works. Yeah,
2: because the enemies aren't super aggressive either. They're not like uh, it's not like you're you're in danger of having your head lopped off or anything like that. Mm. But it does kind of make it tough to run away, especially if you're crowded. Sure. Since the since when the girls get hit, oh, no, the girl get hit by the hit by a monster, she generally recoils for about 2 seconds and you can get caught and if you get caught in the corner, you can get constantly hit. Right. But
1: so do you have like is it like a normal um like you get hit, you take damage and Yeah, there's like there's a life meter. Yeah, and th- do you have like a way to replenish health yeah. like Okay. Yep. So all that
2: is sort of typical. I'm playing uneasy in this in this one because I played normal on the first one, and you get if you don't. Collect like enough energy to upgrade your camera. It's pretty much impossible unless you're really, really good at using the system, the cam, the controls to avoid getting attacked. But easy gives you all the atmosphere without as much of the much of the pain of trying to avoid things. Mm. I'll probably play harder when I play in harder mode, harder modes if I want to later. Yeah. but then I went to three. So.
0: So you're kind of playing through them all.
2: Yeah, I played through f- the first Fatal Frame most of the way until I kind of got stuck. Didn't want to really go back. I felt like I'd just be doing a lot of my uh, path.
0: Yeah, just retreading the same motions it, over, just to.
2: I like Fatal Frame Two a lot more. It's a little more streamlined and a little easier to maneuver and stuff.
0: Hmm. You have to come back when you are playing Three and let us know how that is.
2: Yeah, sure. It's it's actually I've heard it's probably the best one, but I don't know yet.
0: Well, but is there anything else you want to add?
2: No, nope, that's pretty much all I've gotten. I've got.
0: All right, so that's what you've been playing, then, Joe. What have you been playing, man?
1: Yeah. Well. um not a whole lot new from before. Uh, as I've said earlier on the podcast, I was getting back into 999, and I am so close to putting the finishing touches on that game, uh, which means playing through every different ending and then finally playing through the true ending. And I'm so close that I was hoping to actually finish it uh, last night, and then I was going to start Virtue's Last Reward on the 3DS today so that I could hopefully talk about that a little bit. But... Um, None of that happened. I'm still I'm still right before the uh, the last bit. I just got stuck on some of the puzzles. So um, I, the only thing I'll comment on, which I sort of mentioned the last time, is it really is cool how the game has this overarching theme of what it calls the morphogenic field, which is the idea where if Let's say ten thousand people in the world are thinking of like the color purple. Then all of a sudden, it'll make it that more likely that the color purple will pop into your mind, right? So it's this weird like telepathy kind of thing.
0: But it only works in the sense of mind reading. So it wouldn't generate the color purple anywhere. It would just put it in your right. mind.
1: Right. Okay. Exactly. It's only thoughts. So, and as you replay the games, or you know, as you redo the puzzles in in subsequent playthroughs, you kind of like know. The answers, you know, um, and it, it's it really parallels what is happening to the in-game characters because the in-game characters experience that as well, where they'll get to a certain part and they might not have experienced it on that playthrough, but they'll just like know something, like something will just pop into their head and will be like, I, you know, I've heard this before, or like this doesn't surprise me, but I'm not sure why it doesn't surprise me, and so it's it's very very clever how. The game experience manages to mimic, you know, what's happening in the in the game itself. So, pretty cool, and I'm really excited to move on to Virtue's Last Reward, and hopefully, I'll be talking about that next time. Great. Okay. Um, and then I'm also pretty darn close to the end of Professor Layton and the Miracle Mask. Still, just sort of chipping away. Uh, not really anything new to say on that, but again, you know, it's it's wonderful game. Uh, I've started to play the downloadable puzzles a little bit and those are the thing about that i I was a little bit disappointed because unlike the downloadable puzzles in previous latent games uh these are like very specific genres of puzzles and they aren't necessarily the type that are in the rest of the game so in the in the previous latent games the downloadable puzzles were basically just like more of what you got in the game in terms of puzzles but these are very specific. It's basically like, um I think there's like 20 different genres or something, but they're all sort of just little variations on like a Sudoku where you have a grid of some kind and some objective and the way that you work through the objective is more or less by saying like, okay, if I have a number four up in this grid, then I can't have like a number four down here. You know, they're all just sort of little tweaks on that mechanic.
0: That's and highly disappointing.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, cause I don't really even like that type. So, and the other thing is they are really, really difficult. Like each little genre, I think has, I don't know, maybe 10 puzzles in it or something. I can't really pass like the first three without just like, being like, oh my god, my brain is gonna explode! Like the difficulty ramps up so quickly. The first one will be like, you know, like a third grader could solve it, and then the second and third one, is like, oh my god! So
0: anyway, how so. how soon do you get access to those puzzles? Because I'm, I've played a little bit of late myself, although I haven't touched it in in some time, but I'm stuck on puzzle. I think it's like fifteen. And I, I'm just gonna use some hint coins and figure this out. It's that sliding fossil puzzle. Okay. Do you remember that one?
1: Well, is it one where you're trying to get one thing to the opposite end of the board by sliding things around?
0: Well, sort of. It's kinda of like those nine or three by three sliding puzzles that you're used to. Oh but you can only okay. move pieces in sets of three. Okay. And then you have to yeah, create yeah, the yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, okay.
0: Do you have trouble with that one?
1: Uh no. <laughs> Really? Really?
0: <laughs> I can get most of it in such a simple
1: I feel like I feel like those are like you can solve it in like two or three moves or something like that. Okay. So if you start if you start getting into like, you know, the double digits, then you might as well just restart, I think. Though.
0: At the least. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, but I also, don't forget, I also play this along with my wife. So we also have double the thinking power all the time. So that helps, I'm sure.
0: Sure. So you're saying though, that, uh, the puzzles, you know, were kind of disappointing and whatnot. Yeah. When can I get access to those? Do I have to? beat the game or you said you're not done with the game yet but you're almost
1: yeah yeah no i'm pretty sure those downloadable puzzles are whatever. sure yeah it's like as soon as you buy the game you could just pop it in and download them um because that you know they're released uh by calendar date so like they're just not all out yet i don't think um but you know i think they just add a new one every day and I, i'm pretty sure you can just play them at any time so right Yep, but the game itself is very, very, very cool, and unlike previous games, I'm sure that the explanation for what's going on is going to be kind of, like, facepalm-worthy the way that they always are, uh, but I find that charming, I mean, I think that's part of the, you know, the comedy of these games, is that like, oh, the explanation is that it was, you know, someone made this elaborate set of robots, and that that's what happened, but, uh, so I'm sure that this game will have some, like, equally silly explanation, but... Uh, unlike the previous games, like I have no idea what it could be. Like a lot of times, I can usually venture some outlandish guess as to an explanation, but this time I really don't know who done it. Um, so I'm I'm excited to find out. Cool. Okay. Uh, lastly, uh, I played an old favorite of mine last night with some friends. Uh, I played Monster Hunter Three online. Uh, I played it with uh, the good people over at Nintemple.com because we always used to play and. Uh, One of the fellows there who also posts on Negative World, uh, he goes by Maxi. He is like Monster Hunter second to none. He is the master Monster Hunter. Uh, I think he's got one character that was like level 400 something. uh, And then he's got multiple other characters that are both in the like hundreds, if not 200s. And just to put that in some context, I have played the game for probably close to 600 hours now which is ridiculous and i only hit level 144 last night so this guy plays a lot of monster Hunter. so anyway so he was saying um we should get together and play one more time because they're shutting down the servers uh i believe you know midnight on april 30th so
0: hmm, that's uh, kind of depressing
1: it is it is depressing i mean this is realistically if you're just going by the numbers this has to be considered like one of my favorite games of all time like top two certainly so uh I was actually avoiding playing this game for a while because I kind of I didn't want to <laughs> go through the the withdrawal of like having the online servers taken away from me like I wanted to quit on my own terms like months ago you know and then just kind of like forget about it. Uh I thought it would be I thought it would be too uncomfortable to start playing again uh before right before they were going to shut down the servers but these these uh, friends convinced me, so I played last night, and it was it was just super fun. It was really, really enjoyable. Um, we did, you know, just a couple of random hunts, and I used my bowgun set, which is the ranged weapon type, and, um, you know, it was just, it was, the experience was everything I loved about the game, and... Because we are all so uh, you know, seasoned at the game, and like we have good gear, we know what we're doing, um, the frustration that can be there when you're first playing a game like this just wasn't really apparent. Um, it was just fun. And I just, they let me pick my last couple hunts before I left. And so I did one in this area called the Flooded Forest, which I think is... Just a really, really just beautiful setting. Um, I mean, this game, more so than a lot, I think really showed what the Wii is capable of graphically when developers, you know, really put the effort in. And I mean, this area, like I just sometimes literally, I would just love just running around in this area and just looking at things, uh, which is a something, you know, a compliment I hear about other games now and then, but not necessarily one that usually comes up with Wii games unless it's got like a very stylized art you know art direction so this it was really cool and i I went to you know i have this little area of the of the stage that i call my pond and i went and sat in my pond one last time and uh it it was good times and then yeah they let me pick my one last monster to hunt and i uh i selected my nemesis uh, the, the one that I pretty much hate fighting the most, because I thought, like, I'll put one last, uh, you know, I'll have one last victory against this asshole. <laughs> and that is the, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's, I think it's like Devil Ho or something. It's like, it's D-E-V-I-L-J-H-O, something asshole like that.
0: Asshole the Devil Ho. Yeah, exactly. Mm, quite a monster. S-
1: so it was just awesome. I mean, we had so much fun, and uh, I mean, unless uh, I'm sure we have plenty of Monster Hunter players, that, you know, that are listening to this, but like, you know, it was just so cool. We got to go to the little secret area that you can only get to if this monster decides to crash into a certain part of the landscape and like open up this little secret area and stuff. And uh, I just had such a great time. I, I said goodbye to my faithful pig sidekick, Doctor Ham. <laughs> And and that's it. I'll have to wait and see if I eventually uh, if I eventually get Monster Hunter Three Ultimate for the Wii U, which currently I'm not planning to ever get because I kind of feel like I've played this game. But hopefully, um, Monster Hunter Four for 3DS will be localized, and hopefully, it will be localized in the not too distant future.
0: So just to clarify, because I'm so ignorant as far as the series goes, so there's the kind of a remake of three on Wii on Wii U, and is that out yet? Oh, yeah. Okay, I thought so. That was like March, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay. So that did just recently release, and that's kind of why they're straying away from the 3DS because they're, or the DS or 3DS 1, because they're gearing up for Monster Hunter 4 servers, probably?
3: Oh, I...
1: no idea i mean they've announced they announced monster hunter 4 i don't remember exactly when several months ago but like it's not even i don't think it even has a release date in japan Mm. Uh, and i mean this the ultimate version that came out for the wii u and the 3ds is i mean they really do treat them as like you know sort of mini sequels like it's really not quite the same game it's basically monster hunter 3 like times two i mean it's like twice as much content i think so Um, so yeah, so I I imagine if they're shutting down the Wii servers, it's probably just to, you know, devote all their time and resources to the Wii U servers. Sure. And unfortunately, the 3DS does not have, uh, uh, online, so, which sucks. I would, I would definitely have that game by now if it had online, so.
0: Right. Anyway. Well, it's sad to see that happen, but, you know, you're moving on to the the new ones, I guess. That's kind of the nature of the online heavy game like that, that requires servers and such.
1: Exactly. And as long as, I mean, I was able to tell myself going into it, you know, I really only... Have this game in the fullest sense for the next couple of years, uh, which is partly why I'm hesitant on getting Monster Hunter Three Ultimate because I know if I don't get a Wii U for like let's say another half a year or a year or something, then you know that's a huge chunk of potential online playtime that I won't you know have access to. So right. Anyway, yep, that's what I've been playing lately. And what about you, mine Erfinkelstein? Finkelstein?
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I've been uh, not playing Lego City Undercover because I 100%ed it, and it's kind of now on the shelf. And I feel really proud about 100%ing it. It was not as hard as I expected. When you, my my recommendation out there to everybody, if you haven't already heard, is beat the story first. Just get out of the way. It's it's a funny, interesting story. It's nothing to you know that's boring, and you're not going to want to play through it anyway. But get it out of the way. Then go back and whatever you miss, which is going to be a lot, then go back and and get all that, because once you have all the suits, uh, like character suits and everything, and even um, certain other, one in particular other item that you can only get in the, in the final moments of the game, more or less, those all benefit you to be able to go anywhere you want in any part of town and just go buck wild. And that's when the game's at its funnest. Mm-hmm. There isn't, I guess right now, there probably is some decent guides online now, but when I was playing they really weren't so the few times i got super stuck it was pretty hard to figure figure it out even with online help but i would say that i would i would recommend people don't try to they try not to use guides because with the scanner especially once it's upgraded through red bricks it's actually very useful and it'll find any sort of peculiarity that you need to address or go seek out mm-hmm. and and once you do that everything's pretty self-explanatory so i found almost everything probably 98 of everything I found completely on my own with no hints whatsoever because I use that scanner. The only downside to the scanner, though, is that its range is pretty limited, so you kind of have to go, like, start in one corner of, of the town por- portion that you're in, the, the district, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then kind of hop up north a little bit, keep going north, hit right. that boundary, keep going. So it, it's a little tedious like that, but considering the game does such a great job of tracking what you already have and what you don't, it makes it really nice still. Mm. So. I was very happy that I 100%ed it. What you get, you do get something, a reward for 100%ing it. And I'm not going to say whether or not that's worth it, because that's really up to the person earning Mm. it. But I was pleased. It's nothing huge, I can say that. That's pretty uh, objective. But subjectively, I did enjoy it. And it's not going to make me keep playing the game after I've gotten 100% of the items. Sure. But I definitely... Uh no, my girlfriend is having a lot of fun with it. She just finished the story herself this morning, I think, and she's at twenty point nine percent of things completed, so she's got a long ways to go if she wants to get to that hundred percent mark and she's just excited to to have everything unlocked so. Cool. so yeah, great game. I already talked enough about it. I recommend everyone go get it if you enjoy fun, as we discussed last time. Mm-hmm. uh besides that, I've been playing a little bit of Luigi's mansion, Dark Moon. Awesome. Yeah, and it's it's pretty fun. I haven't dove too much into it. I'm in the second mansion. The graphics are really nice. I am enjoying that part of it. The gameplay is a little more basic than I was expecting from the trailers leading up to the release, but but it's 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 what you kind of expect when you when you were a fan or played the first one. It is mm-hmm. just more of the same. At first, I was kind of turned off by the whole dividing it into chapters thing. Okay. Each mansion each mansion's broken up into segments, so you only can go into like maybe. 40% of the rooms or 30% of the rooms of the mansion at first. Maybe you can't even enter the mansion yet. You gotta do something else. Then Professor E. God brings you back into his little lair and then kind of goes over with, with you what happened. Then says, okay, now go back in there and do this. And that's where the chapter two is. And you start at the front again, but you can now go into more rooms. Okay. So it opens up like that in a periodic way. And that's at first was kind of weird, but I'm cool with it too. It, it keeps me focused because I know what I got to do and I can't you, get lost
1: real quick. So does that mean like, I mean, when you move to chapter two, does it like shut you out of areas that were in chapter one or can you always go back to now, the I've only
0: got I've only got the first mansion done and there's five of them, I believe. And I didn't, I didn't hit that kind of thing with the first mansion. And in the okay. second one I've hit chapter two and I wasn't locked out of anything really. Although it's very pointless to go into those areas. When it's not relevant to the thing, but I I figure by chapter five, you kind of, you can go in the whole mansion and there are secrets to discover, gems to collect and and that sort of thing. So it pays to kind of explore a little bit at that point, but it's not really necessary. And I think it's meant to do that. So this game is really digestible in bite-sized pieces since it is a Mm -hmm. handheld version and such. Makes sense. And so again, I see the the benefits and the lack thereof of doing it that way. But as I've been able to play it, which is just here or there randomly, it's actually been been beneficial. The only downside is honestly that the segments are are still long enough, too long, for me because I have been able to play it in such only you know only small spurts. So hmm. so yeah, yeah, but I'm enjoying it. It's it's not the thing that's been keeping my attention. I'll tell you that it was Lego City and then the other little known game, which is not on a On a Nintendo system, and I can't believe I'm only devoting a few minutes to talking about this, because, if you might remember, it's predecessors I talked quite a bit about in the past. But Bioshock Infinite, I've been able to sink my teeth into, and that is a Xbox 360 game. It's on Steam. I think it's on PlayStation 3. Anything not Nintendo, unfortunately. Yep. I was really hoping that they would release it on Wii U, because I would have totally bought it on that, even though I have the other two on my Xbox. But, alas, that was not in the cards... Well, the gamepad is just so unique, Stephen, Yeah, you really couldn't play a game like this. Right. Instead great... of trying to think of how to use it, it totally... Right. You know, it's, it's better to just not use it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, please, continue.
0: Although that sarcasm aside... I don't see how the the touch screen really would benefit this game though. It's pretty much catered to the Xbox 360 controller, and sure. and rightfully so. The game is very similar to the other Bioshock games, where you use, you know, in in this game it's called Vigors, and the other games it's called Plasmids, and they're more or less powers. You use powers with with your guns, and you push through the story, and you fight endless amount of bad guys. In the first two games, there was a different. I just said definite and different in the same word. Anyway. <clears throat> There's definitely a difference in how the enemies were presented in the first two games they're kind of kind of z- monstery they're kind of mindless even though they're they're coherent beings they're still just randomly out to kill anybody mm-hmm. while in this game, the story is much more focused on kind of two groups we're at odds and you're kind of tossed in the middle of it over this whole other subplot pretty much and so when you're being attacked you're being attacked by a group of very conscious people who are very much told pretty much told to kill you and and that that's that was an interesting departure from the first two games and it definitely just changes the whole tone of it all but the story is so well written that it, it totally makes sense i mean maybe not entirely but what if you do a game really makes 100 percent sense but uh so it is different, but I'm finding a lot of enjoyment out of it. the The graphics and the world that you're in are very different than than the first two Bioshocks, which are set in this underwater city. And now you're in this floating sky city, and it's bright in many instances. And it's oh, it's it's a sight to be seen, though. It's very creative, very cool. Awesome to jump from one floating building to another, and as you land, you realize well, you're still moving because the th- the thing is literally floating in the sky. That's just you know. I don't know. It's hard to explain, I guess, without, without playing it. I just kind of get lost in the magic of it all, but it is a very, very cool game. Uh, very fun. What were my notes? here? I had very few notes because I was, I was only going to mention this briefly, but again, the story is really great. Elizabeth, I've heard a lot about her being quite pivotal to the gaming world and how she's got AI that is so special and everything. and um, I would, I would agree in, in many aspects of that. She's a character I've never really experienced before in a video game. She's got a lot more emotion to her, which is partially mm-hmm. because of the, the, uh, voice acting. Okay. Which is really well done. I'm not sure who, who voiced her, but the voice acting on, on most of the characters in general are really, is really good. But the way that she interacts with your character Booker, finding items for you, finding coins, uh, tonics more or less, ammo, health, she cowers, not really cowers, actually. She hides from the the firefights when you're fighting. So you don't have to worry about protecting her because she won't get shot at. Because particularly the people that you're fighting against don't want to see her dead anyway. So uh-huh. that makes some logical sense there. And so she kinda gets out of the way, but she'll she'll find stuff for you and assist you during the battles. And it is kind of a very the whole game itself is kind of a, a spin on the whole rescuing the princess thing. Okay. But you know, at first you do have to kind of save this girl from this world is kind of your initial thought, and it grows into something even more and more. Involving her, not involving her, but the whole thing is pretty fascinating. I would I would recommend people play it and maybe even purchase it, based on the story alone, because if you like the first two at all, you'll really appreciate this one, which is similar and yet different. You have this maniacal man who's controlling so much, and in the first two games, it was kind of... Ah, I'm probably totally pegging this wrong. I don't have a great concept of uh, ideologies of of the past, but almost... Mm, not, not capitalistic, but just... In the first two games, the reason that world exists is because the guy wanted to escape from... Earth, more or less, into what he could control. He wanted... I guess dictatorship is kind of a a better way to uh, explain it. In this world, that sort of thing's happening, but it's not because of money or anything. It's because of religion. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's one of the most fascinating things. The story focuses a lot on religion and also a lot on race issues, which I found really interesting, too. Okay. And it's it makes a statement but it also kind of make well it makes one statement and then it makes another one and i just liked how the whole whole thing works so it's it's a game that really makes you think about life in general And, yeah, I'm going to sum up really quick so I'm going a little over my time here because we want to jump into the main stuff. But the one thing I wanted to say is I was listening to a podcast on the Twit Network, which is something that Leo Laporte, I don't know if anyone out there knows who that is. But it's a whole series of podcasts, and they do a lot of great stuff on computers and tech and stuff. And on one of their podcasts from last month, they were talking about Bioshock Infinite and how it's a shame that Roger Ebert just passed right as that game came out. I mean, it's a shame he passed in general. I'm not saying... Anything about his death as being good, but he mm-hmm. he was such a anti-gaming persona. He did not think that games were art and never would be. And so Lila Port and some people that were on his show were talking about how this game kind of changes, starts to change that a little bit, and it's pretty amazing that that it does. And it's a shame that he didn't get to experience that before he passed, is what they were getting at. And sure. I kind of agree with him because you know a lot of games in the past, and they, they they said this and it made a lot of sense. A lot of games in the past were there to just have a story so you could have fun and do something. And then it kind of evolved, but it always did stay kind of primitive. And slowly games started making more of an artistic point, but rarely do games actually make you think about your own lives for real. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's always so self-contained. They want to entertain you. They don't. It's like a movie where you kind of want to escape for a while and that's it. Right. This game really does make you think about how you react to race or how you react to religion how the world itself views that right now, it is kind of trying to make a broader statement than just an Xbox game should, perhaps. Sure. So I found that interesting, an interesting point of view anyway. I'm not even going to say that it's exactly what they were aiming for or that it's correct, but mm-hmm. I like that a game uh, sparks that kind of conversation.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: So anyway, that all said, uh, those that's what, I, that's what I've been playing. And, I mean, I guess I've been dabbling in things here and there, but thats that's it. Uh, unless you guys have any questions, we can move on, I think. Nothing for me. How are you doing, Chris? Uh,
2: fine. I just kind of don't have much to say about a lot of those
0: games. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, so we'll take a quick break then, and we're going to come back and talk about the Nintendo Direct that happened last week. And there's so much to talk about, we're only going to focus on certain ones, but there's a lot of, a lot to discuss, so uh, stay tuned. We're back. Uh, I hope you stuck with us. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into a discussion about the Nintendo Direct that happened. What was last Wednesday, I think, the seventeenth, if I remember correctly. I think you do. Yeah, those things just sneak up on us. It's already been eight days since. That's kind of crazy. It's a little ridiculous. It was. Uh, it was nice though to go to work and be able to watch another one while I was working because watching Nintendo news at work is one of my like, favorite things about work. Mm-hmm. And oh uh, am my boss. She knows about this podcast. I probably shouldn't say that, but I still do work. I'm just paying attention to the Nintendo. Oh, sure. As well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm a very efficient worker. I should get a raise. Weren't,
1: weren't you, yeah. Weren't you saying you actually do more work than most of your, uh,
0: yeah, I actually walked behind her and, Help her with her job without her knowing. Yeah, that's uh, right. That's how I do. (laughs) Anyway, so so it was pretty good. I think there was a lot of great news. Some of it we already knew about, but they kind of expanded on a lot of things. And this just reiterated to me how awesome the whole Nintendo Direct concept really is. Mm -hmm. And this ends up playing into a news item that we're going to mention briefly later. That just goes to show that Nintendo's got a whole new strategy going on. This ain't your father's Nintendo. It's not. It's not, it's not at all. And my father's Nintendo was
1: steam powered.
0: My father, my father didn't have a Nintendo, but he made a love hotel. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, sticky icky. Ugh. Um, is that World of Goo? Is that what they called it? Uh, <laughs> <That's so gross. laughs> anyway. Um, so anyway, let's talk about what we want to talk about. I, what I did with, with Joe and Chris off the show air, of course, we kind of, voted on what we thought was most important to talk about for us, and so the one thing that was so unanimous between the three of us was The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past 2, which isn't necessarily even the name of the game, but that's just all we know of it to be.
1: You know what? Can we, like, start right there with the with the name? I mean, why do we think that there's not, a like, a definitive... 2, or some kind of subtitle. You know, usually, even if it changes later, they'll give us some kind of, uh, you know, like Legend of Zelda, The Dark Mirror,
0: you know, something. Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, Link to the Future?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Link to the Past, Present, and Future. Back to the Future. Uh, That's when it goes
0: into the steampunk thing that everyone wants, right there.
1: But isn't it... uh, I can't be the only one who finds it really mysterious that, like, they only show the generic Legend of Zelda logo, and they, like, I don't know, what do you guys think? What's going
3: on here?
2: Well, hard to say. I mean, it looks like A Link to the Past in almost every way right now. The the, the model for Link is pretty much the same model for Link in Link to the Past with the poofy hair and all that kind of stuff. Plus there's that whole section of the map that we saw is basically just a remake of that area between the Lost Woods and Death Mountain. So I'm I'm really curious to see what kind of how much it is a if it's an actual like sequel where they're actually expanding on the map or if they're gonna try to repurpose that for a new game, which would seem kinda weird thing to do. Yeah. Or if it's if it's like if it's a direct sequel, will it be sometime in the future? Is this the same link that we played as the first time?
0: We'll or to is it a, a different a whole new Hyrule Historia just to make a new timeline for this. Hmm.
2: I mean, even, it could even be the uh, explanation of what happened to Link after Link's Awakening, if you believe Link's Awakening is a sequel of sorts to Link to the Past.
1: That's a good point. This could be an excellent opportunity to start tying some of those threads together.
0: Now, maybe at the end of this game... He could go on to a ship, which then could lead to you know crashing or whatever the heck happened, and then and then that leading into because maybe this could be a bridge game somehow between Link's yeah. Maybe he he takes some opiates right before he goes on the ship, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he sees a, a whale off in the distance, falls overboard, and bam, got a game. That'd be cool. That would be great. Uh, I don't, I don't know what to make of this really. I, I feel there's a lot of fears and worry about this game being some sort of rehash or being a remake, but they flat out said this is going to be a sequel with mm-hmm. new dungeons, new story, etc. So I don't mm-hmm. know why people are so, so adamant to not it's, listen to that. The
2: standard gamer reaction when it comes to Nintendo is mass panic and fear. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is
0: true. Hence the depression cast exists. <laughs> Yep. but No, I,
2: I think that that is
1: purely just the residual effects of Nintendo always being ever damned if they do and if they don't. So right. that's true. That I'm not really concerned about in this case.
0: I personally don't believe that there will be an expansion of the map in any sense that we really know. I could see some areas changing due to some sort of effects of time or, or what have you, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine them having, like, The Legend of Zelda, or Link to the Past map, and then areas beyond it. Right. But it's probably going to act like a second quest with a new story. I mean, we saw that boss battle that's very reminiscent of another one. It's pretty much the exact same room and boss and everything.
1: That caterpillar thing. And so it
0: makes you think, well, is he venturing through an old dungeon? Right. Or is he venturing through a new one where they just repurposed it? And it's 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 a really I mean it's tough to say. Of course, this is all speculation. We have so little to go on. And I think E three is going to bring about a lot more to that because I think they promised this game out this year, so or at least in the fiscal year.
1: I hated that caterpillar. Just so you know. <laughs> Everyone yeah. hates that thing. Keeps knocking you down. But maybe in this game, because there is like all that uh, level jumping, maybe when he knocks you down, you could just like bounce right back up. Right, maybe.
0: right. That would be nice. But, I don't know, I mean, what what would be the ideal situation for you guys? What would you like to see this turn out to be?
2: Well, I've, I'm all for more of a, a more top-down d Zelda game again. It's been see, too long since we've had one of those.
0: Yeah, it's been very long. Uh, the Oracle series themselves have kind of been the last mm-hmm. ones, right? Uh, Minish, Minish Cap. Minish Cap. Bingo, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which but that I, was only a couple of years after, I think. That was yeah. Uh,
2: 2004.
0: Yeah. Mm, so nine years ago. Wow. Yep, one time. And, uh, Joe, what, what do you want to see out of this? Uh, (laughs) I don't know.
1: (laughs) You know, I, I'm not really that, uh, I think the top down Zeldas are fine. I'm not. Like crazy I mean,
0: would I like you rather the past... see this with stylus controls and Wind Waker graphics? <laughs> oh, no,
1: no, no, that's definitely not. Nobody
0: I does. had fun with those games, but I definitely am happy to see that gone. Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, Yeah, exactly as you said. I mean, they're fine. I, I didn't dislike them, but I definitely do not prefer Yeah, they that, they never
0: no. got me excited. You know yeah. what I mean? There's, there's such a, to me, I kind of cut you off after I asked you a question. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> that's
3: okay.
0: But the one thing about a 2D Zelda... And this probably applies to a lot of 2D games in general, but when you when you go into the 3D space, that third dimension opens you up to so much more. Like when you're watching, say Bomberman, you know you can only go in two directions, right? So you have a very limited way about the world, and that plays into the puzzle-solving aspect. But when, when you have 3D, there's so many more options; it, it exponentially explodes, mm-hmm. and so the game can sometimes feel less tight. It's kind of weird. Like you have so many escape routes all of a sudden from mm-hmm. one because. Unless you bombard the character with all these attacks from all the sides, you have so many ways out. And I always appreciated the fact that in a 2D Zelda, you move a block one space, you right. you dodge one space, you you move on the grid, and the grid is so restricting, but yet it's... Right. That's what makes it such a tight puzzle game. It keeps it clean. Yeah. It keeps it clean, yeah. efficient. It's a, it's a great puzzle uh, adventure game, and that's what the Zelda games were, always were. And the 3D can kind of take away from that sometimes, so... That, as well as the fact that there's no stylus controls to move Link, which sure might have been novel at the time, but I was stuck on the... Uh, what was the sequel to Phantom Hourglass? The Spirit Tracks. Spirit Tracks. I was yeah. stuck on that final boss for months and months, if not a year. I just went, stopped playing okay. and went back to it a year later because <laughs> yes. I, I didn't want. Spirit
2: Tracks is the first Zelda game, at least a straight-up Zelda game, not like the Four sword games or anything that, that took me a year to beat. And I'm mm-hmm. a huge uh, Zelda fan.
0: Yeah, and Zelda. I really, I really liked the train aspect of that game, and I liked a lot that was in it. But that final boss. I could not get the stylus to work right. And I i was, I mean, maybe it's a human error thing, and maybe some people didn't have this problem, but I could not get my DS screen to register my swings enough. Yeah, Literally, right. I know that I had the pen down on the screen, and I was doing it correctly, but it was not doing it for me. Yeah, that had me mm-hmm. pull cool, some hair. So, yeah, I mean, I was almost ready to just watch the credits on YouTube, and then I ended up finally doing it. But I was, I don't know, if a Zelda game ever made me want to rage quit, it was randomly a Spirit <laughs> Tracks game, like, I don't know. So I'm glad that this is going back to the two d restrictions of of that world in a sense, but it's it's not limiting at all because there's so many possibilities to do if you're creative
2: and plus it'd be great to get back to the enemy filled overworlds
0: where you're you know that's exactly another thing when you have a two d world it's a lot easier to populate it with mysteries and and creatures and such than it is a 3 d world as we've seen you know when you have all these more open spaces you you run the risk of making it feel too crowded or too awkward if it's a three d space full of grottoes and and enemies i guess i mean that's my only understanding for why they wouldn't fill the the world or the overworlds with that but the 2d zeldas always had great overworlds it was dungeons and the overworld and in in the 3d zeldas you really think you might think about how great the ocean is to explore or how great hyrule field is to to ride your horse through but you're thinking about the movement part of it. you're not thinking about the battle and the puzzles in these world in these sections you know so that's mm-hmm. another thing I really appreciate about the 2D Zelda.
2: I always gave Twilight Princess a lot of credit because it did try to—they did try to add more enemies to the overworld, mm-hmm. and you're always in—you know—being attacked by something, but it never really felt like as many, as dense as a lot of the sure. Zelda 2D overworld can be.
0: And even the landscape was a little bit more dynamic. There were yeah. hills and and cliffs and everything, but yeah. I still felt it was so disconnected at that point, though, because to do that yeah. they had to disconnect the the overworld, and uh, I don't know. know. So yeah, so that's I guess that's it. All we have to say for that, huh? Mm-hmm. You guys good?
1: Oh, just one quick thing. Uh, did no. they say if this is going to be a physical retail release as well?
0: I think so. Probably I
1: it's a
2: Zelda game. It's a mainline Zelda game. It'll right? Be okay. Most likely be on. Be
0: I on mean, I'd have to look at the D- Nintendo Direct to confirm, but yeah. I, I mean, I just it, don't it, think they said anything,
1: and I, well, that probably means you should just assume it will be released as both. For some reason, there was part of me that was like, I don't know, this looks really like something they would definitely make as an eShop title. But, yeah.
0: No, I think if they were to do that, it'd be a Four Sword style. Sure. kind of. Uh, there's too much production value going into this okay. for it to be download-only, because as much as they want to push downloads, I don't think they're anywhere close to that. Yeah. And they know that they're, not everyone has access to the, to the internet in the sense that they can always get the games they want when they want them. So, okay. to do that to this would be a service. I, unless the 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 gaming world as a whole, the, the whole industry goes into download only, I can't imagine Nintendo ever not having a cartridge for a Zelda game. Sure,
1: sure. Well, then I think that that would speak to just how much of a, you know, flagship installment they were treating this as, you know, if yeah. it wasn't
0: just a download game. Well, there was a press release recently, like two days ago, about, it was like a a financial one saying, here's what's going to come in the fiscal year. And they were saying like, we fit you, uh, Mario, Wii U, uh, Pikmin, Pokemon. And they said the main line, what did they say? They said Zelda. Oh, no, I wish I had it in front of me. They said the legend of Zelda. Then they, I think they said Wii U and 3ds mm-hmm. and the Wii U, I'm assuming they mean the wind waker remake. Right. But, which in my head is also a mainline Zelda. It's just obviously a, a remake of it, but it's not mm-hmm. like they're treating it as a download either. And so, in my head, when they said that, they were saying, the new 3DS Zelda, which is this. This is like the next one in the Spirit Tracks line. It just looks different. So, there was no ambiguity for me.
3: Mm-hmm. Hands okay. down,
0: this cool. is going to cost us 40 bucks for the cart and 40 bucks for the download. Good, um, no disc you know, It'll be amazing. Oh yeah, oh yeah.
2: I love Jeez. Zelda so much. It doesn't take doesn't take a whole lot to necessarily please me with Zelda games. I don't overhype myself, but I usually it doesn't take very much to make me happy with Zelda games. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. I will say, if you know, certainly that whole like becoming a drawing and going along the walls. I mean, that's certainly something that I think is kind of out of left field as far as a Zelda game, right? So, mm-hmm. so they certainly appear to be trying to deliver something new in I like in that the regard. The hammer. Sure.
2: Well, you spring from different planes and stuff. That's mm-hmm. that's taking an old item that I don't think they've ever really done something like that so much.
3: I don't know. I that's think they did point. a
2: springing mechanism, but I don't think they're ever quite like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Where well, you're doing entire levels yeah. in one jump. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to the other Zelda topic from this Nintendo Direct, which was the fact that the Oracle series has a release date. And stupid me did not write down that exact date. <laughs> <I just laughs> to think it's in the like May
2: thirtieth, something like that? Whenever the
0: Yeah, it is late May. Yeah. And I think May thirtieth might be the right one. But uh it's very soon, in other words. I think they're already out in Japan, aren't they? Uh, I don't know. I think they are. And now they're coming to America, which is awesome, because they are really great games.
2: Yeah, they're really underrated in a lot of ways, because a lot of people say, oh, they weren't made by Nintendo, so and they steal a lot from Link's Awakening in terms of graphic style. But they really are a fantastic set of games that may, and, aren't made by EAD or wherever makes Zelda games now.
0: And the fact that someone would complain that it looks like Link's Awakening is, is an issue is just silly to me, too. <laughs> you know? No. Like, that would be a praiseworthy thing because Link's Awakening looks great, and these I mean, games these are do color, too.
2: These are Game Boy Color games. They couldn't really get make a two differently
0: looking right. game. Well, and that said, too, they actually natively look nicer than Link's Awakening because they actually have a proper color palette, you mm-hmm. know. And, uh, I, I. Did you guys play both or either of them, or?
2: Oh, I play both of them. Beat them both a lot.
0: Okay, and I have dabbled in both, but I don't think I've beaten either of them. Okay, of your dabbling, which one's your favorite? Uh,
1: seasons. Wait, no, ages. Sorry, <laughs> okay. I don't know why I thought about it, and then I totally said the wrong one. And Chris, what about you?
2: I preferred seasons, but mostly because ages had the dancing Goron mini game that.
0: Totally <laughs> oh man, drove I just remember insane.
2: that. I did not realize that there was a little bit of a fetch quest to get the e- get the proper dance to which was a pretty easy dance overall. So I spent a lot of time trying to master those uh, silver, gold, and whatever dances, thinking yeah. one of those had to be I had to do to get the key, and it drove me insane. I have no rhythm, mm. so <laughs> I am as white as they come. <laughs>
0: Um, well, I'm glad that you said seasons though, because that is my favorite as well. And yeah, I like
2: the more action, ha- action heavy stages.
0: And I, I just like the whole gimmick of it all. The changing of the seasons and the puzzle aspect, even not just the action, but just the puzzles and ages. It just takes the Ocarina of time thing and kind of does it again. But of course you can go back and forth. Unlike in the Ocarina of time where you kind it of, it does
2: it a little bit more completely than o- Ocarina of time though, because right. there's, there are distinctly different worlds, the in the past and the future.
0: Right. And I guess, in in a way, the Seasons does the same thing. It just does it four times instead of two. But uh, Ages felt like Link to the Past's Dark World, Light World mechanic mixed in with Ocarina Time's uh, Time mechanic. And so it didn't feel as fresh to me as Seasons did. But they're both incredible games. I honestly... Couldn't remember based on gameplay. I guess which one I liked better. I just kind of the overall feel and my overall memories of it. I feel warmth towards Seasons more than Ages, but combining the two is is the best experience possible. I'm so glad yeah. that you're going to be able to do that still with this.
2: Yeah, I just beat them both again. I think it was like February, so I'm pretty fresh mm-hmm. on them. And oh. yeah, the only thing I can say maybe bad one: the overworlds are a little too cluttered for how they're designed. Right. Sometimes it takes forever just to get to any single place because they're all they're huge mazes a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But that's that's fine because they were, you know, could just Link's Awakening has a really simple overworld, overall overall, and they wanted to be a little bit more complicated. They just didn't want to make a Link's Awakening directly. Right.
3: And you they know, probably got
2: a little over eager to make these where,
3: deep overworlds. <laughs>
2: um,
1: where do we think the artwork for this game came from? Would that be a Capcom thing or would Nintendo have done the the character designs and then handed it over to capcom to actually produce the game
0: i would say what you just said nintendo probably had a big hand in it still yeah
1: because i the thing that stands out to me most about these two games is how much i love not only the style of the characters but the design of them i think there's something i guess maybe cartoony is the catch-all word but there's just something like warmer and like happier and bouncier about these character designs just livelier that i really do like a lot and that i wish would uh show up a little more frequently in some of the less serious zelda games like twilight princess it wouldn't work like that was a very sort of like somber game and that was awesome in that regard but um do you know what i mean like i'm looking at this this character that always stuck out to me called Moosh. Yeah, the bear. The bear. Oh, my God, he's so cool. Got little wings. He's he's freaking adorable.
0: I always was a kangaroo fan, personally.
1: Yeah, he's cool,
0: too. Whatever he was. But, yeah, no, they all were cool, and it was kind of a a cool mechanic, because they're in both games, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe so. And I just don't think that, like, characters like that, like, they almost, they don't look Zelda-y. Do you know what I mean? If you just saw them on their own, I don't think you would necessarily think like okay that's from a zelda game
0: (laughs) tingle you know so it happens
2: (laughs) i'm just glad we haven't seen tingle in a while
1: i'm cool with the little weirdo
0: i'm cool with it
2: Uh, i don't know he always kind of bugged me
0: i don't i don't need i think his ultra humanistic face is what freaks me out the most (laughs) but you know you think maybe his behavior his obsession with tight green pants and was it on? Be.
1: Did we discuss when we were talking about Hyrule Historia how like that book says he has a tattoo on his back of like a cobra to scare his enemies or something like that? Like if he doesn't, if he wasn't wearing his shirt like against his skin, apparently there's like a cobra on his back or something
0: ridiculous. I did not know that. I've have, I have Hyrule Historia, but I haven't really read much of it, which is really depressing and offensive.
1: Join the club. I think pretty much everyone in the world just bought it because it's so amazing just to own, and then. Mm-hmm. Really right get, way,
0: right. You really got to sit down with it, though, too. It's not even like a yeah. coffee table book because it is. there are so many interesting factoids and they kind of build on each other because the series itself has. Yeah, you kind of need to sit down with it. My girlfriend's been doing it, so she's been feeding me interesting tidbits here and there okay. and then telling me to read it.
1: I was slightly wrong. It's not a tattoo on its, his skin. It's on the back of his shirt. So it's just that he normally has a backpack and you can't see it
0: Oh, okay. So. so Tingle does not have a tramp stamp.
1: No, Nope.
0: Hmm. nope. He should, though. There should be a game called Tingle's Tramp Stamp.
1: I'm sure it was pitched at
0: a meeting somewhere. If it's a Triforce, then it makes total sense.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. Where is that Where is that tramp stamp?
0: <laughs> I just hope the Triforce is facing upwards. That's all I'm saying. Oh boy. <laughs> anyway. So, we have derailed this podcast. It has been derailed. Well, not we, I. So, with that, let's move not on, with though. You. Uh, uh, there's... Another big announcement that came from this, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts, guys, because this has another kind of lukewarm reaction from what I've gathered from the internet populace. But Yoshi's Island is getting a, a sequel, another sequel. And this one looks a lot more akin to the original as far as art style. And it's called Yoshi's Island 3DS, I presume. I don't, we don't really know the full title of it or anything. But. I think it looks pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I think the art style it's kind of a it's kind of a mix of a lot of different kinds. It's kind of got the watercolor. It's got patchwork. It's got almost like a claymation style for the sprites, and it looks real. It looks really you know fun since they're going they're kind of going extreme with the kind of eggs and stuff. Apparently, judging by the gigantic egg you can throw.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, it kind of reminds me of the super giant mushroom from the New Super Mario Brothers series.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I never got to play Yoshi's Island DS, and I kind of heard negative things about it. It wasn't quite as fun as it could have been.
0: It's not... It's a weird game, because I, I, I own it, and I do enjoy it, but I got to a certain level, and I just really found myself disgusted with it. The whole changing from Baby Mario to Baby Donkey Kong to Baby Peach to Baby Wario, they each do d- different things, and that's cool on one one hand, but on the other hand, it was just frustrating. Like, the game itself, I think I think the difficulty is kind of up there, and not in a fun way. It just felt kind of cheap, and if, obviously, they make it pretty easy to get the right baby to have on your back, but I still found it kind of infuriatingly finicky, I guess, in, in the controls and everything.
2: So hopefully that 6 was just Mario this time?
0: Yeah, I would like that, if they stuck with the original premise, and maybe toned down the screechiness of that cry. <laughs> just a, just a little bit cuz if you're a good player then you shouldn't hear it at all right no nope. <laughs> so really the only people that complain are shitty players uh just kidding obviously uh things happen and and I've heard Mario's cry quite a bit in my day so and I think I think we all just would appreciate especially maybe like Roy Koopa who uh who uh just had a big change in his life I think he'd appreciate maybe if the baby cry wasn't so <laughs> hmm. So, you know, blatant, but, but again, like we were saying with the graphical style, I think it's really nice. I don't get this complaint that I'm hearing about kind of, um, like it's got a fuzzy haze to it, I guess, but it looks like, like it's kind of a color pencil drawn world that's animated. I don't know. I like it. I think the backgrounds are nicely detailed. I think it's 3d in a slight manner, but 2d enough to still be a 2d game. And I think it needs to be a 2d game.
2: I think a lot of people wanted was a, you know, just a kind of a a hand-drawn look overall overall for everything. Right. And people are kind of rejecting the old uh, 3D look because of that.
0: Yeah, and you know, obviously I made a big stink about the DuckTales game in the last podcast and how the 3D and 2D didn't really mesh well with me there. Here, I don't find that to be such an issue. Um, Maybe it's because the character model... Well, I guess it's kind of the opposite effect, isn't it? The character models for the enemies and for Yoshi are kind of 3D, but the backgrounds are still 2D. And there's layers of depth, not an actual three-dimensional thing going on. While in the DuckTales game, it was the opposite. And, I don't know, to me, this works. It looks the
2: blend... They all look the blended together pretty well.
0: Yeah, and it looks like kind of Yoshi's Story, in a sense. I always
2: want to play that. I don't know why I haven't got around to playing Yoshi's Story.
0: It's, uh... I hear clunks. negative
2: things about it and then kinda got kinda waffle on it.
0: You know, I liked it a lot when I played it. And if they I don't know if they did and I just didn't get to it, but if they released it as a Club Nintendo points thing, I definitely would, would pick it up. I think they did once and I just didn't get a chance to, but uh but I liked it a lot. So I don't know. Joe, anything else to add? Nope. No. No. <laughs> no last comment, Joe. That's me. He's here, everybody. Well, then, let's jump into probably one of the most infuriating games to talk about right now, just because of we kept thinking it was coming out, and then it just seems to never do. But Pikmin 3 was, was brought up once more, and, you know, they didn't mention it at the actual Nintendo Direct, but they gave it a release date uh, shortly after.
2: August, isn't it now?
0: Yep, August 4th in America, and that's definitely out of the so-called launch window. And that's a big window. Maybe it's like a bay window. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's one of
2: those really, just, just a gigantic window. That
0: yeah. Oh, geez. So, I don't know. I, I think that they intentionally, or intended to release it earlier, but, you know, Miyamoto, he can be finicky in a good way. He's probably just tinkering with it and making it better and better.
2: I can't wait, I can't wait to get, when I ever get around getting a Wii U and playing that, because I've been waiting for that since... That was two thousand four, two thousand four, wasn't it? Really? Like, yeah. Pikmin two came out in two thousand four. Oh, okay. I was gonna say.
0: <laughs> I thought you said that. Uh, that's when they announced Pikmin three. I was like, well, no yeah. way. I've been waiting <laughs> be for that for you since 2005. Yeah. my brain did not um, compute that. Yeah. yeah.
3: We've
2: been hoping and hoping that something would come out, and now it's very close. And I love some of the the new Pikmin: the Rock Pikmin, the Flying Pikmin. Yeah, and they even announced that the Purple and Poison Pikmin are back.
0: And is that the uh, the White and Purple?
2: Yep, White and Purple.
0: (laughs) Because I've never played a Pikmin game except for the first one for like ten minutes, maybe. I think I rented it when Pikmin One came out.
2: I I absolutely adore the first Pikmin. Like it's. I'd One of those up. games that I bought into on the very first screenshots, mm. and it was amazing. Pikmin Two is really good too, though I didn't, I didn't necessarily. I like the, I like the more. Uh, focus on the 30-day the clock in Pikmin, because it kind of made everything feel more important. Mm-hmm. Whereas Pikmin 2 opened up the world, made it more sandboxy in a way. Right. And it kind of took a lot of the stress out of, you know, trying to do everything you can in a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. though they did bring it back a little bit with the cave stages, which gave you a limit of Pikmin. So if you ran out of Pikmin, you're kind of out of luck. So it was like challenge stages? Yeah. And they're both really fun games. And if you could find them on the the Wii U version, not the Wii U version, the Wii U versions.
0: Yeah, the uh, New Play? Yeah. Or, yeah, because, oh yeah, GameCube, okay, so yeah, they were both GameCube games, but they yeah. have Wii, now uh, New Play Control. Yeah, my girlfriend course, just picked up the Pikmin 2 New Play Control, and I did play that for, again, like 30 seconds. She showed me, and then I tried something out really quick, trying to help her solve something, but... Uh My my greatest experience with Pikmin is actually with Little King Story, which is not Pikmin at like all. That- yeah, and that that's... I don't know why I didn't care for Pikmin back in the day. Maybe it was just an immaturity thing. I was younger. My tastes were different. And then I played Little King Story, and I thought it was awesome. And my one thing about it was I wish that I could use the Wii Remote to point and click instead of do the, the aiming as they did with the joystick. And so now Pikmin 3 seems to be that gameplay with that mechanic, although I guess we don't technically know yet, but I'm pretty sure... Pretty sure it's been confirmed that remote control is going to be in the game.
2: Yeah, I don't think they would have bothered making the. I think Pikmin one and two were kind of almost tests for how effective Wiimote controls would be for the game, Right. and they worked really well. So why would they take that away?
0: Right. Yeah. So with the, with that whole mishmash and the fact that it's going to look beautiful in oh, HD.
2: Uh, yeah, I know. It, it, it really. It's just killing me that I can't. But I might not have a Wii U at that time because I'll be wanting to play something that gorgeous.
0: Well, let's see. It's uh, what's that? Three months? Yeah. May, June, July, August. So yeah, about three months from now. Uh, I don't know. Put try to try to scrounge some couch cushions for some. I don't know. Just something because uh, it's I three months. I'm
2: putting myself up for medical tests, but
3: that place closes. <laughs>
0: mm, you know what? There's always a new one opening. Yeah, probably. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I really want it. Pretty much for the graphics alone, which is superficial, but I think that I'll enjoy it this time. The gameplay is fantastic, so it's not like it's... Yeah, I think it is. I think it will be. I'm I'm very interested in it now, and all they really did was show off more of the game. They didn't really say much more about it, so probably should move on to some other things, but uh, but I am very excited. And Joe, I mean, are you going to pick this up when you get a Wii U?
1: Maybe. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I've never played a Pikmin game before, so.
2: Man, I'm I'm, I'm surrounded by by uh, infidels.
0: <laughs> uh, that's what happens when you join the podcast. Uh, you're surrounded <laughs> by infidels. We're infidels about something every episode. So, in fact, last episode I converted Joe into an infidel in Ducktales discussion. So. Oh, you totally did. hmm Yep. <laughs> I'm still having nightmares about how my, badly I treated you. <laughs>
3: that's okay.
0: Uh, anyway, let's move on to a happier note, which again is a note that I don't really hit home with at all because I've never cared about this series. But that's not to say I was not able—I'm not able to change. I just never have had an experience, really. But uh, believe it or not, Hell froze over, and Earthbound is coming to the Wii U eShop. And are your lives complete? This, and this is work the work
2: sound sure. I made when I heard that news.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, even I made a similar sound. And I don't even care about the series, but that's how monumental I knew this was. Yeah. Yeah.
2: This is the first time we've had something Earthbound or Mother-related in the United States since 95. Yeah. If you don't count the Smash Brothers games. Right.
0: Which is weird, because those kind of hinted that there always still was some sort of interest. You know what I mean?
2: mm
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, why would they have done it if they didn't think that you know there might be something of interest with us? And it's a game that I really want more people to play, because I... I fell in love with Earthbound from first screenshots too. Even if the reviews were, lukewarm, and made the game and tried to make the game sound like it's like something that only the youngest of the young would enjoy. And it's it's hard to explain exactly why it's so great without without you know a person playing because in a lot of ways the. You know, the, if the graphics don't pull you in just by their kind of their uniqueness for the time or the game, the gameplay isn't necessarily something that will say that will jump out of you and tell you it's, the, it's a great RPG, but it's just the whole world kind of the the weird things that go on in it the extremely well translated dialogue that nintendo did for or sadly no one a lot of people won't be able to look at the strategy guide which may be the greatest video game strategy guide ever made which basically reads as a travel guide to the world of to eagle land
0: maybe somebody can you know pdf it or something and oh i've got a pdf of of it oh do you
2: it's really, it's it's just really great. I had, I wish I would have kept, I wish I would have known better about the future of gaming valuables. Sure. sure my guide would have been kept in better care instead of pouring through it just Uh-oh. casually because I loved it
0: so much. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, my cousin got rid of just tons and tons of Nintendo powers, for instance, a long oh. time ago. And I wanted them so bad and he didn't know any better Like even I would want them. But just how nice it would be to have a collection like that. Now, I know. wish I
2: had, no one would, Earthbound would be such an in-demand game. Because then, when Earthbound kind of went on the really cheap,
0: you would have bought some copies.
2: Oh, I would have bought it. So I would have tried to get several copies. It'd
0: be the Twinkie it situation did, all over again. Then I could mm-hmm. have
3: sold them
2: shrink wrapped for thousands of dollars.
0: Oh man. Well, I've, I've actually thought about you know playing a ROM of it because it was just so yeah. talked about and everything, and. Um, I don't know. He's got, he's I'm not even coffee. gonna. I'm not even gonna say it was morals that kept me from doing so. I just, just thought you know what. I just there's so many other things to play. I'm not sure if I'll like it. If they ever released it on eShop, I'll probably pick it up and try to give it a try. You know, give it an honest try, legitimately, and then here I have to keep my words and actually do it because yep. they've actually done it.
2: I, if it never, if Nintendo would have you know kept up with their stubbornness about it, I would have said go play it on a on a ROM because right. buying a card of it is. Is a risky preposition or proposition right now, since it costs upwards of two hundred plus to buy just a free card.
0: Yeah, and that's a gamble that you know I don't think any gamer really should have to make on something they're not certain about. So, and
2: I got lucky because I bought my uh, used card for sixty bucks in two thousand five or six, and just before it, this, the price started skyrocketing, hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't uh, necessarily uh, regret it, but. I wouldn't have had to buy my cop- a new copy I had my brother not given away our Super NES behind my back.
0: I just got it's this cool. I just got this funny fantasy in my head of Iwata being the man who's been selling tons of copies on ebay at hundreds hundreds of dollars. <laughs> because he can actually control whether or not it releases, so he's like behind the whole thing. Maybe that's true, maybe that's not. But
2: I don't know if Iwata is capable of that kind of evil.
0: No, no, he's he seems too happy of a dude.
2: Yeah, he's like the greatest CEO ever.
0: I like him a lot. Yeah, he seems he's like happy. So, he's pleasant.
1: He's so like humble. Yeah, seems. he
0: seems genuinely concerned about the the f- overall em- emotions and feelings of his of the fans of Nintendo. Whereas
2: Yamauchi would probably just you know told you go away. <laughs>
0: I mean, could you imagine how
1: many CEOs would make little videos every couple months where they are, like, standing next to big mascots and,
3: you
0: know. And he doesn't even speak English like that fluently. I mean, he does pretty dang well, but obviously it's not his first language or or that he's been speaking it all year, or all year, uh, all his life or anything. So the fact that he kind of just puts himself out there and still does it, is, is, uh, I appreciate that in general.
1: I still think, sometimes when I watch the directs, though, I still am like, just spit it out, man.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, but you really soak in everything when he does. He has unintentional true. pauses all the time. Well,
1: I thought about how, like, you know, at this pace, actually when he talks over the gameplay videos, it's, uh, you know, just about the right amount of words for, you know, letting me see all I want from this video. So
0: maybe it's good in that sense. Yeah, maybe he plans it that way. Maybe he's like a speed talker in real life. Oh, boy. In Spanish, even. you know, We just don't know. But moving on from that ridiculous notion, we have... Just, let's just lump these two together so we can get on to some other things before we're out of time this episode. Uh, t- the last two things we did want to talk about were Mario Luigi's Dream Team and Mario Golf World Tour. They are both games that, again, have been mentioned before, so there's no real extra news except for the details in the games themselves. Um, uh, what did they show with the Dream Team? They showed Lu- a bunch of Luigis rolling to a ball and running over enemies. Uh-huh. I guess that's one way they're trying to make this the year Luigi with such Hit. a thing. Uh, maybe you can do that with Mario and they just didn't show that because they don't want to uh, get away from their premise.
2: That seems to be a Luigi thing. Yeah. It seems going to be like a lot of fun to kind of play with Luigi's
0: uh emotions
2: and stuff. And then I also, I really love the, love the kind of that, uh, I'd almost say Duncan Country style graphics for the sprites, mm-hmm. that pre-rendered look to them sure. over the 3D world, and it keeps with the look of uh it keeps with the Mario and Luigi overall
0: look mm. too. Right, because that yeah, is that is one of the major differences about this game, isn't it? Is this the way it looks? Mm-hmm. It it's hard to even describe, obviously through audio, but I'm I'm watching some of the Nintendo Direct right now and. Um, Again, it's got like a pseudo 3D, non-3D. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see these games in 3D because one thing I keep forgetting about is that all these, like, again, the reason that the DuckTales thing bothers me and the Yoshi's game doesn't because that actually will use 3D. So how it's going to look is going to be probably more pleasant to the eye than than if it was on a flat 2D TV screen. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I do like the graphical style of of this game the whole i guess kind of bowser's inside story did the same type of thing where you had these this other world to explore it looks like there is another kind of 2d world going on in this game but it's luigi's mind or something mm-hmm. uh i think that's in one way retreading a little bit the concept but in a good way probably because when you're in a dream world as we know with super mario brothers 2 you can do a lot of wacky you know stuff and so I'm excited to see where they take the creativity of, of all this.
2: I mean, I suppose there'll be times where you'll give have to give Luigi nightmares or something like
0: that to do something. Sure, all know. kind of weird things. Well, it's funny how there's
1: that little that little sprite that like messes with him in real life while well, you're
3: uh, in there.
2: It looks like a bomb or something like that. Yeah,
1: that little glowy. That was in uh,
2: that was in uh, Inside Story too. That character. Oh, really? Okay. It, it, it was kind of like he kind of played off as Bowser's conscience. And you're inside Bowser and stuff. It's kind of it's pretty funny in that way. It's like a star sprite or something like that from like Paper Mario. Sure.
0: So that kind of implies perhaps more of a connection with the last game. Mm-hmm. Some sort of continuity.
2: This is yeah. It's the first time that you know, outside of uh, a villain character, that there's been a obvious connection.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I definitely enjoyed these games. They're very classical RPGs in a lot of sense, and they've got the Mario and Luigi touch. Mm-hmm. Now, the other game that I that I mentioned with Mario Golf, that also has Mario uh, touch on it, and I don't—that's one of my most anticipated games of the year, frankly. I don't know if you guys are into this series or not.
2: I've tried to, but I can't. I'm not. I just can't get into golf. Even yeah, Mario.
0: me neither.
1: Basically,
2: same thing.
0: You guys just don't like golf as a sport or golf as a game. Golf
2: in general. It just doesn't we're, do anything for me.
1: We're infidels, is what we're trying to say.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> I I don't like golf very much either, but there's something about the arcade action of this golf game and, and the charm of the levels and everything. I, what my greatest hope is, and it seems to be the case from the video that I've seen of Mario Golf World Tour, is that the levels are going to be very Mario-like. I don't know. I'm probably next. I'm, like, distracted by the video right now, so I apologize. But in Toadstool Tour, they took one entire course of, like, 18 holes and made it very Nintendo-y. There's even Pikmin in the grass when you... Act, you know, hit a ball into into tall grass, and the video here in the Nintendo Direct shows a lot of the same kind of themes with the desert theme and and a lush foresty theme and all that. But I, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to have some sort of Mario spin to it, and that that's always been really fun for me. And the different characters and figuring out which is the best club, the whole the whole thing takes golf in a way that I can understand and throws a Mario skin over the whole thing. So I, I really enjoy it, and I'm really glad that it's not on Wii U with Say remote controls because I never really cared for that kind of golf mechanic. I much more prefer my golf games to be action button pressing that kind of thing.
2: Mm. I, I just can't believe they never made a mini golf type game for based around Mario.
0: Well, there is the mini golf subset in the original Mario Golf, and I think it was either non-existent or neutered in the in total Tour. I can't remember, but to do a full game like that, I guess I don't know if if there's enough content for a whole game.
2: Well. It, I could just see a bunch of like I think I played the I played six, the sixty four one it was it was basically just elevation things right when I think of mini golf I think of like you know weird mountains and scary clown <laughs> yeah I like to see something like that you know like you're hitting into like a Mario castle
0: right and, and you're going around the whole it, castle you, kind of thing
2: and inside it sit, you can watch things happen or. That kind of thing, not just a elevation puzzle.
0: No, that would be that would be very cool, and I I could see that as a whole game in itself. You could personally. do
2: that with like a lot of different stage worlds too. You could have Mario Galaxy based ones
0: or. Sure. Yeah, where the where the ball literally will float to the ceiling because yeah. of some sort of gravity mechanic, and that could be very interesting. Have you applied in Nintendo? <laughs> well, I have lots of ideas,
2: but I, I probably wouldn't be a very good idea good at uh, putting them together.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think we all have our own ideas of what Nintendo should do.
2: I've had my own Mario and Luigi idea for a while, so...
0: More Ice Climbers! <laughs> <laughs> More Ice Climbers games, but less Ice Climbers themselves. Right. Which would probably make the game even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that series. Anyway, but not to uh, crush the hearts of any Ice Climbers fans out there. Uh, well, okay, so we, we've gone through a lot of what we wanted to talk about. These big titles. And so I just want to ask you guys before we finish up the Nintendo Direct discussion, what else just caught your eye? Because I mean, we had Mario Party three three DS, more Super Luigi U stuff, uh, more details about DKCR three DS, the spring update, Panorama View, Bugs versus Tanks, a bunch of other things. What what last thoughts do you guys want to mention about this Nintendo Direct?
2: Yeah, do you think Bugs versus Tank is probably the weirdest thing to just come out? <laughs> It feels like a game that Until should have been made sequel. twenty years ago. Yeah,
1: it's so weird that it just seems like usually, even when a kind of uh, like, shall we say, non-name brand game comes out, usually there's some like unique gameplay hook or some reason why it's being featured. But this just like I don't know maybe they just didn't spend enough time on it, but it's like what what is the point of this game? It's like I here's a, that- here's a tank and you can shoot bugs. Isn't that a reason to buy it?
2: Like what I yeah. almost think that they brought it up almost entirely because Kaiji and Afune is not responsible for uh,
1: it in some true. way.
0: But that's what also surprises me is that he is responsible for it. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly.
2: Yep.
0: I mean, I don't know. is there, there going to be there like... There must
1: a... be more to that game. There must be, Maybe you right? can get
0: bug powers by beating the bug exactly. bosses.
2: Customize yeah. customize your tanks with bug abilities. Right. Which,
0: Which would be an interesting concept, perhaps. But even so, the whole thing about shrinking tanks down to the size of bugs... Or
2: two-era tanks at that. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the weird part. That's the really weird part. Mm-hmm.
0: So unless there's some sort of neo-Nazi storyline about shrinking tanks and Nazi bugs. Yeah, if there's a Nazi bugs plotline with, you know, then I would be I'd be digging it. Probably not. And is that a pun somewhere? Digging it? Maybe not. I don't know.
2: I really got to think it's going to be a downloadable title. Oh yeah. Just oh, judging yeah. from the judging from first screens and so.
0: And frankly, if it wasn't going to be, I think the fan reaction now will make it a downloadable title. But
2: yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone pretty much has farted on that game
0: cuz I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, I guess I haven't heard that much about it in general, which...
2: I mean, it could be tons of fun, but there's nothing about it that you can really tell us about.
0: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't catch my eye for more than a second. Joe, anything uh, that caught your eye with this? Uh, not, just... not not the game, but just the rest of the Nintendo Direct.
1: Well, I I know it wasn't on our list, but I did just want to mention uh, the Starship Damri. That's how you pronounce it, Um Just because I think that that looks very very interesting i love this whole uh quasi visual novel thing and the fact that it just i mean they said right in the direct like they don't give you any tutorial or any guidance it's just like you are dropped in the middle of this creepy starship and then figure it out that's very appealing to me
0: and what's the what's the premise clearly of the game? no one else <laughs> we need some crickets from that bugs versus tanks game to chirp to at you <laughs> Yep. Uh, what exactly is, is the premise of that from what we know, though? Uh,
1: I don't, well, it looks to me kind of like uh, like a Dead Space kind of thing, where I think you just wake up on some starship that's probably undergone some horrible catastrophe, and now you have to survive or escape or...
0: It's sure not a Metroid game. I just saw the word Adam in the trailer.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I have the sound off because obviously we're recording. But I'm just looking at some video of it just to refresh my memory because frankly it was on the list partially because I don't think it's a 2013 title, so it was mm-hmm. something I wanted to bring up. But also, I I mean, there's just so little known about it. I guess it didn't, it just didn't. I don't know. Didn't it didn't hit me at all? I, I completely forgot it existed until you said something. That's
1: that's why I said something. Well,
0: thank you. <laughs> so, where would you yeah. be without? Uh, or where would we be without you? What would we do, baby, with that, And that'll be the next half hour of the podcast. Hit it, Joe. <laughs> what would we do, baby? You know, with quick side that? note: I've had the Cocoa Wheats theme in my head all day. I've never even eaten Cocoa Wheats. I don't know, but I know, know the whole stupid commercials theme song in my head.
2: Yeah, don't you hate that you can remember things from years back, but you can remember what you did? I can still tell you.
0: I can tell you where to where to mail your stick stickly fan mail. <laughs> <laughs> P.O. box nine six three New York City New York State one oh one oh eight and do it. <laughs> let's all let's uh have Operation Stick Stickly and try to get Stick Stickly game made. Stick and, Stickly. Uh, and we'll start by sending our mail there. I wonder who owns that P.O. box now too. We should just send Stick Stickly mail to that P.O. box and see who gets pissed. That would be hilarious. It'd be great if it was still Stick Stickly. <laughs> or Mr he's Stick all... Stickly, maybe he's an adult now and
1: he's all like recovering alcoholic and <laughs>
0: We we send him fan mail. He just replies back, "Help me, <laughs> bring math." He's trying to. Uh, he's frozen in a popsicle, <laughs> or he's glued to a can, uh wooden cap, and I don't know popsicle stick craft, whatever. <laughs> anyway, I, I I don't really have anything else to say about what what else was said. The DKCR thing. I was thinking of maybe getting it after they announced this whole new world that they're expanding that bonus level to, mm. but then I realized I can just borrow my girlfriend's copy for like a half hour or an hour and just play all the levels and be done with it. Um, they didn't announce anything new with the Super new new Super Luigi U as far as pricing or anything, so that's kind of irrelevant. Mario Party 3D- 3DS is kind of neat to see, but again, I I've got to see more to be convinced about anything. I never really cared for the concept of a handheld Mario Party.
1: If it had online and I could play with other people, I might well, be... Well, that,
0: that would be a game changer for sure. Yep. I don't know how capable that is, but... The spring update, I think, either just hit or will have hit by the time this podcast even releases, so let's not mention that. Just turn on your Wii U, everybody, if you haven't yet in the past week. Um, so yeah, so that was the Nintendo Direct. It was pretty It was pretty uh, mixed, I think. It had some, some reiteration from the previous Nintendo Direct. It had some new discoveries, and it had... Some boring shit. Yeah, it, it, was, it was nothing bad, though. No, I mean, I mean stuff that I didn't care like, about. It was what I would call boring shit. But yeah, you're right. Of the it was things,
1: like the you know the uh, Link to the Past two and the Earthbound thing. I mean those are fairly huge announcements. So. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, well, you know, let, let's blend this right in uh, instead of taking some sort of break and talking about the news let's after that. Blend it in. Let's let's hit the blender. <laughs> And, uh, let's hit this on puree and blend this into the next topic, which is gonna be, uh, well, I guess a lot of. Stick stickly. Stick stickly. (laughs) Stick stickly 3DS. Um, no, there's been a lot of Nintendo news in the past week of just pretty much the company as a whole. It's been kind of wild. I know. It's more, it's actually been like the past two days or something. And I think how this Nintendo Direct plays and all that is a fascinating example of, of what we're starting to learn. I'll go to the third topic. We have three that we want to mention real quick, but the third one we were going to talk about was that it was announced today, was it, or yesterday?
2: Uh, I think like early morning today.
0: Okay. So earlier this morning, so you're hearing it first, right? No. Okay. This is going to take like a week to edit. So uh, either way, on, on Thursday or whatever, it was announced that Pretty much, Nintendo doesn't plan to do a giant e- E3 conference, at least not in the same way that we're used to. They might have...
1: other. Uh... Okay, continue.
0: <laughs> now wait, uh, did you read much about this, Joe, before we started recording? Yeah. yeah. It... Okay, so so it's not really that surprising to you.
1: I was just reacting. As in you know, the right. same
0: way that you did earlier? Okay. Yep, yep. And I get it, but the fact that we've had three E3s already this year, in, in relation to that, I'm kind of okay with it. And it's not that they're not going to have things to show. They just don't want to do some big, flashy-ass blowout, which, honestly, if you think about it, how often are those even that great anyway? Yeah, most of them are boring. Some Nintendo Directs that we've had are better than many E3s in the past. And so I'm kind of cool with it. And you know what? I think it challenges the other companies to also rethink things, because if Nintendo is successful in this way, that's going to make Sony and Microsoft rethink how they do things. Because here, Nintendo's every three months is blowing some awesome news out of the water and they have to wait pretty much until their one year mark. Which obviously of course doesn't happen exactly. There's announcements for every console at various times. But a bulk of the of the information usually comes at E three and it's in my opinion it's great and it's a benefit to the consumer to have that trickle in quicker and these nintendo directs aren't even they're not it's not like they're five minutes long they're half hour long usually and honestly i was surprised at how much they talked about in 30 minutes in this last one so i'm, yeah. I'm cool with this and in a way it kind of forces them if they're going to keep on the schedule like this it forces them to have new content to show us which means that they can't just sit behind a wall for a year and kind of create some shit really quick in the last month before e3 so they have something to show it kind of in- encourages them to constantly have a flow of new, cool content.
2: Yeah, I'm just glad it'll get away. It might get away from having these hour and a half long things where they spend they spend time talking about things that no one cares about, unless you're an investor. Mm-hmm. And then then putting with random celebrity appearances of people who don't actually play video games, right. but they're celebrities and they're cool, and you're supposed to give a damn about Usher. Sure.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and You know, I mean. Look at Ubisoft last year, which I know we're kind of upset with them right now, but wasn't it said that Ubisoft had the best E3 show last year? It wasn't even one of the three main companies. It was right. a developer. And that's because they focused on the games, plain and simple. You know, they didn't have, I don't, I mean, I don't remember it to a T, but they didn't spit out tons of numbers. They didn't. Try to appease every market because E3, whenever gamers, are, at least in our circles, are disappointed by E3, it's because of the fact that they didn't cater to the gamer enough. It was, oh, they were talking to the soccer moms or the fiscal people who are crunching numbers and selling stock and all that stuff. And, well, these Nintendo Directs are always about the gamer. I actually saw a comment on a website recently about a guy who's like, his whole premise was that Nintendo Directs are stupid because they only... Get fan Nintendo fanboys excited. That's the whole point. Is that they're focusing on the Nintendo fans. They're not going to some guy who all he does is play, you know, Halo, which obviously is a stereotype in itself. But there are people like that, and it, you know, why is not going to that person saying, "Hey, Bugs versus Tanks, New Super Luigi." U. like, they don't give a shit about that. Nintendo knows that, so Nintendo's trying to cater to the fans it has in hopes that that kind of buzz builds so much that it gets someone else kind of sucks people in.
1: Well, let me let me jump in here then, because this let me gets, let you. let me. This, this gets kind of to what why this disappoints me. Um, because I think that, uh, man, I don't even know how to totally ver- verbalize it, but I feel like one of my biggest problems being a Nintendo fan these days is that you know I don't feel like they get treated equally by the uh, media, by third-party developers, by other gamers. It's like I always feel like even when I go into a video game store, like I'm not even a gamer in the sense that the other people in the store consider a gamer to be, you know, I'm like a Nintendo gamer, which is some weird offshoot, right? And while I do that, because that happens to be where the games I want to play come from. Um, I would really rather, you know, all games just be like equal. Like I, I would rather it all be one thing. And when Nintendo doesn't do things like, like when they opt out of something like this, I think it really just reinforces and justifies all those opinions that we have for years said are so wrong and, you know, misguided because now everyone can say like, yeah, well, Nintendo's not really a video game company. I mean, where were they at E3, right? I mean, but not that they're going to say it blatantly. that's such a ridiculous so
0: premise, though. You know what I mean? I know you know this, too, but that's such mm-hmm. a childish mindset that I, I personally just don't care if they think that. <laughs> because <laughs> well, what's their opinion to me?
1: Right. Well, but it's, it's not that – and again, it's not that I think that they're going to say it that blatantly. You know, that this would be the one thing that would change their opinion. But – There has to be something, like there's no reason why, for instance, Bioshock Infinite shouldn't be on the Wii U, right? But there is some weird just perception about Nintendo that they are not on the same playing field as these other companies, even though I'm pretty sure the Wii U could run Bioshock Infinite, or some reasonable facsimile thereof. So, like... Well, flat out
0: it could. Okay, so... I think there's more decisions that go into that, though. And I think, too, that Nintendo is already stuck there. Like, keeping E3 the same this year would not change that fact or or make it closer to what you hope. And it's admirable what you're saying. I understand what you're saying totally. But with the fact that they used a motion controller back in 2006, just put them on a whole new... You know in Back to the Future, when the timeline changes and it skewers down into that hellish landscape where Biff is some sort of rich son of a bitch... Well, when that happens, that's pretty much what happened with the Wii Remote. And now Nintendo's just cruising along on its own alternate reality, but it works like gangbusters for them. And they still have their hiccups and stuff, as all companies do, but this is working on their level. As a company, this is exactly what they want. and. As... Is it
1: though? I mean, I, I'm asking. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, do you think Nintendo enjoys or or is totally fine with the fact that third parties are just like, eh, and that and that so many gamers like just don't even consider their consoles to be real platforms and things like this? I, I mean, think... I would think that would be a real problem for them. I know they're doing fine, but like companies always want to do better.
0: I don't think it's a it's an issue to them. In I don't think it's a critical issue to them. I, I'm sure it's an issue. Any any company's going to want more fans, you know, mm-hmm. and that's going to be the case. I'm sure that the Xbox people wish that they could get more Nintendo fans over. So that's why they make maybe games that they think are going to cater to Nintendo. Well, so
1: the whole connect and move thing. I mean, that's very blatant. They
2: completely underestimate why people like Nintendo. Yes, entirely, absolutely.
0: So I think that Nintendo would like more more fans, sure. But I don't think that they, since they don't need them, they realize it's better to keep the current fan. I guess they run the risk of there's always if you if you do something different, there's that risk of losing the fans you already have. And so their I think their market marketing or not marketing strategy, but their strategy in general is to make the fans they already have very very happy, which keeps the the bank rolling, and then work on att- attracting more. Later, I guess. I guess that's just not their primary concern. And and if it was, I feel like they would have made an HD console back in the day, and they would they would have gone the same path as everyone else. And I don't think that they'd be anywhere close to where they are because even if they did that, because of the fact that they still had Mario and Banjo Kazooie and, and Glover and shit like that, that they would not be respected still. That that stigma would not change j- just because they had a similar pers- you know mindset.
1: Right. Well, and it's not that I think. Something like sticking at E3, um, you know, is going to bring the next Bioshock, you know, or some game in that, in that, uh, on that level to, you know, a Nintendo platform or anything like that. It's, you know, I just think this is something that makes it even harder for the next one. So no, I don't think that this would make it better, but I do think it makes it worse. And when you talk about like, you know, they, they want to keep, you know, their fans happy. I mean, I have operated for a long time under what is becoming an increasingly, you know, delusional perspective that you can have one platform and also the games you want, you know, like, I feel like, uh, in you know before if a game let's say if a hardware literally cannot run a game okay then that's one reason why you say like well if i want to play that game i have to pony up and i have to buy this other piece of hardware you know fair enough but when a piece of hardware literally you know can run games and they're just not coming out for these silly you know perception based reasons well then i would like that you know whoever has some Impact on it to do whatever they can to change those perceptions. Like you say, when the Wii mote came out, you know, it set them on this whole other path. That is true, but that is largely a path based on perceptions. There was still no reason why you know you couldn't just either turn the Wii mote sideways, just not use motion control, use a classic controller. Like we all know, there were plenty of ways that you could have made the Wii into a quote-unquote traditional gaming platform.
0: But people sure, it had looked... a classic controller and everything. I mean,
1: exactly. But people just, it's like they saw the Wiimote, whatever, and then they just became stupid. Like, they, we, you know, we talk all the time about how developers, you know, now like they look at the gamepad and they're like, uh, well, it's got a touch screen and another, another viewing surface. So I don't know what to do. It's like, that's idiotic, you know? So, Someone should be able to, you know, just say to them, and I think it is, this is Nintendo's responsibility to say, like, look, there are other ways to approach our platform, and there's nothing wrong with it. Well, I
0: think that was their problem last time. It was this notion that they weren't pushing that hard enough. They had Wii Motion Plus and then didn't push that. So they weren't promoting their own product the right way to third parties. And then after a few years, I think they just got complacent with not getting what they wanted out of that. And then they just probably started bartering deals right then for the Wii U and trying to talk that up. And and with the Wii U, now it goes more towards the center as far as what we're used to from a gaming console. But it's expanding things like with Miiverse, and that's kind of going to that realm that other consoles have tried or have their own Mm -hmm. variants of. And I think think those actions are much more uh, integral to this perception issue that you're talking about than an E3, because an E3 presentation is, is the following. A Nintendo Direct with fiscal numbers. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. So they want to pretty much have the fiscal number thing be, be there, but they also, I guess they kind of want to separate it so they have the right audiences looking at the right videos. Because you and I, it, it won't change our opinion of Nintendo as far as will I buy the next game if we know that Nintendo's not doing so well or is doing well. We look at it like a friend. At least I feel that about myself. I look <laughs> at Nintendo like a friend. Hey, your stock's up? Great. I'm glad that you're doing well, buddy. But if it's not, I'm like, oh, you know, I wish that people would, would like you more and would buy your games more. Or I wish you could figure out a way to to, to get more of that. But it still doesn't change my opinion of it. So to, to have these things focused on me throughout the year makes me happier as a gamer. And I don't think that it's detriment to E3, especially if they're still going to have a lot of stuff on the show floor. And right. Nintendo lately well, especially and has don't been trying before you buy. That's been their greatest hook.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's true that we don't know exactly... What their presence will be i mean they have said they will be there in some capacity but um and don't get me wrong i mean like yeah i prefer nintendo direct i mean i think uh, i think that's fairly obvious (laughs) you know i mean they're just they're so much more entertaining and as you said they do away with all the stuff that's there for the investors and for the you know type of you know to use the phrase soccer mom gamer that, you know, we just don't necessarily, you know, we're not interested in hearing from Cammie Dunaway. Let's put it that way. <laughs> let speak um, for yourself. So, <laughs> and, and yeah, I do not need, you know, as much as I love watching Sean White uh, perform in the Olympics, I don't need him to come out and, you know, shill his
0: actually you very should, fun game. You should listen to the podcast, Cammie and Sean. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> they talk about paint drawing. <laughs> and uh, it's a very fascinating podcast.
1: Right. Yes. Uh, so, and yeah, and you know, things like, you know, things like meverse and just so many of the philosoph- uh, philosophical approaches that Nintendo makes. Yeah, you don't, I mean, that is exactly what I want. And that's why I'm here. That's why we're all here. And, and I hope that that doesn't change. It's not that I want Nintendo to play the game so much that they become, you know, another clone of Sony or Microsoft or anything like that. Um, I just... But what is changing for me and what I think this is further evidence of is that I, you know, this past generation, I was able to own only a Wii and there was really only a handful of games. The entire Bioshock series is part of it, but really only a handful of games that I really had to play someday that weren't available on the Wii. And I said to myself, you know, after this generation, I will just buy, you know, either a PS3 or a 360, whichever one's more appealing. I'll get the games on the cheap and I'll, you know, I'll be able to have those experiences. But I just am concerned uh, that going forward, it seems like, you know, that what was a small handful this past generation, I feel like it's just going to get bigger and bigger because I feel like there's just this growing perception that Nintendo is not, is not a major gaming company in the same sense of those words, As Sony and Microsoft are. And in some ways that even friggin' like, you know, uh, Apple and Android platforms are becoming, you know. So uh, it just bothers me that I feel like I have to go into this next generation saying, okay, I'm going to get a Wii U and then I'm going to have to get like a PS4 fairly early on or else, you know, I'm just going to be missing out. And that sucks. Especially when it's just based on something like Perception. Something like does that does not have to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's, it it's a tough place to live in. And I guess the only things I can recommend to Nintendo are not to worry about how they're changing their E3, which, as I read the quote here, it even implies, I think, that they're just going to f- make sure that when they have announcements or, or some sort of similar activity, it's going to be focused on the particular audience that, that it's aimed for, instead of trying to do all-inclusive E3 shows. So that's not so much an issue, but I think that they have a lot of money. I think they need to throw some weight around with that, because again, these—it's not even so much the gamers that have this weird perception, but game companies themselves definitely do too. Nintendo needs yeah. to say, "Hey, we want Bioshock Infinite on our system. Let let us pay you to help fund the the trans, like the conversion into a Wii U version," and then they also have to make sure that there's not too many restrictions. They can't say, "Okay, we well, have to make sure that you can control your plasmids, plasmids with or vigors." With the touchscreen. Touchscreen, sure. Which yeah. might be cool, but also is actually slower than just holding on the button and selecting the one you want right then. Right, right. Uh, and plus, using the touchscreen wouldn't cause the game to pause, which the game will do when you're trying to pick a vigor out of all your vigors. So, as long, like with the, with the Wii Remote, I think that was too restricting for people to want to port things over because Nintendo, I think, was saying, okay, let's, can we have Bioshock, or not Bioshock, can we have Call of Duty, but can you make it with the Wii Remote? Or they were—they were, they were just—I think really well, I, weird I with that. I, I, think I think I
3: think I
1: You mean? I mean, because like you know, something like first-person shooter would really be very easy to just say like, okay, well, instead of you know the second stick, then the pointer control does your aiming and bam, you're done. But instead, they might have said something like, you know, could you have uh, like a flare that you have to shake the nunchuck to right, activate? Right, or that's how you something throw like a
0: grenade that. or something. Sure. sure. And So
1: that, that sort of thing I can totally understand.
0: That's a little silly and, you know shouldn't be part of the equation. I mean a famous example might be Retro's Donkey Kong Country Returns where that whole shaking Absolutely. to roll thing seems kind of forced Absolutely. because it could have been tracked to a button, but
1: my my biggest selling point for the 3DS game would be not having to do that. Right. So,
0: so I feel that the perceptions that are skewed are already too far gone to matter by this E3 thing, and I think it's an issue of Nintendo having to be aggressive. I don't think they were nearly as aggressive as they as we all wanted them to be. I think Bayonetta 2 is a great example of how they are trying to be more for, uh, forthcoming. And only time can tell. I mean, you can't fix stupid. And if someone's going to be ignorant sure. enough to not like a Nintendo platform just because it doesn't have their one, their Bioshock game, and so they take that and assume that none of the games on it they'll like, or Mario has too many primary colors in it, so I don't want to play that, that's kind of just an ignorant mindset you it can't change. Yeah, there's so many ignorant minds that's in this world. And that's why I like being a gamer who's pretty open minded to a lot of things, because you know, I didn't think Pikmin was gonna interest me back back in the day, but now I've changed and grown and realized, you know what, maybe it could. Uh golf games. I gave Mario Golf a try. That was kind of the Mario skin though. But uh I'm trying to think of other games that I just didn't think I would give a crap about that I do. Um, Mavis
1: Bacon teaches typing.
0: What'd you say? <laughs> Mavis Bacon teaches typing. Mavis Bacon I think that's her name. No, it's Beacon. But the funny thing is, I was just oh, telling my it. girlfriend today. I used to call her Macon Bacon. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> that's no. that's why I thought I that's why I thought you said uh, Beacon, and I and I heard Bacon, so I was totally confused. This is the Bacon <laughs> cast. Bacon, but. Uh. But I, th- I think uh, it's just a matter of, I don't know, to sum up my thoughts, I'm not going to babble anymore, but it's just the perception issue can only be changed by Nintendo being aggressive and trying to get third parties to come over here when they're going to think that it's not viable for them. Because you got to think each company just wants to make money. So coming to a system that doesn't have as big of a fan base who likes these kinds of games... Of of X game, you have to maybe give them more incentive financially or, or something to make them come over. It's not even so much like, oh, there's a bunch of kiddies who play that game, the Wii U, or that system, the Wii U. I think it's just that a lot of our past customers have been on the Microsoft platform. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And porting over from... Maybe maybe it's sort of similar to go from a PlayStation to an Xbox. I'm not even sure how the architecture works. But they've said that the Wii U works a little bit more like the other systems in that in that sense. So it's a bit easier to port things over and to convert uh, your 1s and zeros. So, I don't know. I'm hopeful. I don't think the E3 thing's that, that detrimental. And we yeah. all like our Nintendo Directs. So that was the one big news thing. Uh, we're kind of running out of time. So, I guess the other two things really quickly... The, uh, the little man that we know, Iwata, uh, I guess he is kind of short. I don't know why I called him Little Man. <laughs> but, uh, but Iwata, who, again, I have so much respect for, um, he's named CEO of Nintendo of America. And was it you, Joe, or maybe it was someone else? But somebody said, it's kind of amazing because people keep thinking that is gonna leave Nintendo and instead he's going to be. What? Who said well, no, that? No, no. well, I've I've heard there being rumors of him stepping down, that kind of thing, because That's he obviously they you know their first loss and God knows how long happened recently oh, this past no. year. Oh no! So I've heard people speculate on that, and then here I'm he's actually taking he didn't up more have work. To
1: commit
2: ritual suicide?
0: Oh, seppuku, is that what it's called or something? Yeah.
2: Michael Pactor must have been sputtering in rage. Oh yeah, you
0: know what? That, I probably heard that with my over my tea with him, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but people were, you know, some people were saying that anyway, maybe it was, it was a variant on the Nintendo is doomed thing, but now Awada is going to be, uh, the CEO of Nintendo of America as well as Japan, which is pretty interesting. I'm not sure what the hell that means, frankly. I don't think any of us do, but. Because, I mean, Reggie's still something. the COO of, of Nintendo of America, so he's still going to be a prominent face, and... The only thing I can think of is that this is good for integrating the Japanese and American markets and right. maybe helping Japanese games get over to America.
1: If that's the case, I mean, that would be freaking amazing.
0: And I think it's pretty interesting that these Nintendo Directs have kind of implied to me that Awada since he's the one, you know, he, he had Bill Trennan and Reggie do some segments in the last Nintendo Direct, but in America, he speaks English and he speaks to the Americans. Americans know who he is. And I appreciate the fact that he has such a concern with the American populace and the American gamers as, you know, maybe Yamauchi didn't. I think that's really cool that he respects all the markets, it seems. And mm-hmm. that, that bodes well for because the American, the US market, the North American market I should say, is is that not the biggest gaming market there is in the world? It is. Yeah. So it's awesome to see him care more about this market. Especially when we feel like we're being screwed. Which I mean is not always the case. I mean, Australia gets screwed a lot, uh, Europe gets screwed somewhat. They're getting games before us these days, which is kinda cool for them. And um they have Pecross E. Earthbound. They're getting earthbound, yes. Uh let me just throw this out there for, for Rebinac. And myself, that Pacross E still isn't on the American E Shop, which is insane. And uh, <laughs> and perhaps a, I hope that is Awada's first order of business is that he gets that onto the American E Shop and maybe get some better Club Nintendo uh, swag. But anyway, um, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. I hope that. Um, I wonder how this will play in with because uh, didn't just this past past couple months they did the whole the they also merged the handheld and. Hmm console divisions right right, so yeah
0: so they kind of talk interchangeably ideas can get spread easier amongst the two was the kind of primary focus of that
1: so there's just all this uh merging and who knows i mean it's entirely possible we won't experience any differences from these changes but it is it you know the mind does wander to some interesting places i mean that would be very cool if we actually get more games tra- localized and more integration between the
0: two um, platforms. I mean, that, that would be great. I totally believe that at the end of this cycle, when we're going into the Wii U 2 or whatever it is, that we'll be able to look back and say that at that point, the, these things that have happened after that th- were probably responsible to th- this sort of thing. I think that the integration between the two segments, AWADA's new responsibilities and such like that, the Nintendo Directs, this is Nintendo changing. It's becoming yeah. a Butterfree from a Metapod. <laughs> that's and, awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and hopefully that's for the best. I do like Butterfree mm-hmm. as a Pokemon. I, I like Beedrill as well, if you would rather go that route. I but, would. I would. Let's go that route. Okay. Okay. We'll go to the, the Kakuna Beedrill. I love Beedrill. Yeah. Yeah. So, either way, this Metamorphosis, I think, will bode well. I just I just personally feel... I mean, I obviously cannot see the future. But I'm pretty confident I, that Nintendo is really looking at things differently and and working to make sure that they're ready for a future in the gaming world that the other companies aren't focused on cuz they're so focused on the here and now. So we'll see. Yeah. I think the 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 Xenoblade sequel is is another example of that. Mm-hmm. The fact that that was shown to North American audiences right from the get-go and I forget now what it, what it was but it was just recently even further confirmed. I think it showed up on some website or something. I don't that a Nintendo referenced it again from North America, but it seems pretty apparent that that's coming to at least Europe, which of course we'll bitch and moan enough as as Americans can do sometimes, and we'll probably get our way, considering <laughs> the first one came out here yeah. too, you know. But I don't know. I think it's uh I think it's cool, and time will tell. Totally. And then the last thing, really quick, MeVerse is now live on the web for all those who like the Miiverse, which I think is most of us who have a Wii U. I know that it's not you guys yet, but uh, the Miiverse, obviously, is, as you probably do know, is Nintendo's Twitter, more or less. Yep. Um, and now you can visit it via the internet, which means soon enough there's going to be apps for it on your phones and such, which will be very cool, because I'd rather have an app control it. Than my browser
1: now. I'm assuming uh you still need you still need to sign in with your like uh, Nintendo U. ID yeah. network ID mm-hmm.
0: right okay just checking and they announced that by the end of the year I don't even think the fiscal year but 2013 they're gonna have a 3ds Nintendo Network so it's gonna be all all integrated and thus meverse will be on the 3DS which is pretty cool. Wait, what? When did they did they confirm that? Mhm. That is uh that's pretty cool too. They're really try I think that this is probably the first step in their whole integrating the two together.
1: Uh, that will be mind-blowingly awesome.
0: Yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah. So so the fact that you have only a 3DS right now and I've got a Wii U we could still talk about the same games. I could I could ask you how that is, how that game you're playing is, or whatever. Maybe there can be even uh, online multiplayer between 3DS and Wii games.
1: Well, I would hope that's what we're going to get with uh, Smash Bros. Right.
0: Yeah. And that's probably not coming out until after 2013, so yeah. maybe that's exact, maybe it's all gearing towards that. And again, that right there is an example to me of why Nintendo is focusing on the right audience. And that could pull... To me, that sort of integration could pull non-Nintendo gamers to it. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I'm excited. Cool. You guys excited?
2: I kind of regret not being able to participate in the Miiverse and stuff. I'd love to have gone in on the Mother 2 stuff.
0: And I wish that you guys could actually participate now with it being web-based, but you still need to have the Wii U to make the idea first, I believe. I don't think you can do it via the web. No, nope. Right. So they are locking it out, which in a way is good as well, because we don't want Miiverse flooded with people who don't own the consoles.
1: That's a very good point, yeah. So
0: uh, it kind of sucks for you guys as people who are genuinely interested, but uh, imagine all the yeah. trolls of the internet finding <laughs> their way into the Miiverse.
1: Yeah, that would be awful. Oh,
0: God. I'm going to have nightmares about it tonight. <sighs> but Nintendo's a-changing into a changing into a drill Beautiful b Yeah. So with that, I think we can wrap it up, as long as you guys have nothing else to say. I got nothing. I last comments, it. Joe? Nope. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, closing statements here. Before everyone just turns off the podcast, because I wish always had the same exact paragraph at the end, I want to let you guys know that in the past week since we had our last episode, Joe and I have started a second podcast at Negative World, Called the Negative World Euphonic Podcast. And that is essentially a music celebration podcast where we celebrate video game music that has been on Nintendo consoles. And I'm I'm a fan of it, Joe. Are you? I'm I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I'm I'm
1: like the although we were super sleepy. Everyone was
0: I, I will apologize. Yeah. Yep. I believe Game Dead Grant picked up on our uh, lethargy. Yep. But as it to it, it was pretty, it was pretty, <laughs> well, to admit, to, to, uh, be in our defense, I was up super early that day and you had just woken up <laughs> when we recorded yep. that. Plus so, a lot
1: of the music was nice soothing water music. So. Right.
0: What a bad, I should have been like, uh, chose like epic pain for a theme instead of water. So it would have been just like angry or, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So the first episode already, already, uh, released, and the themes were Mario and Water, and so we have the thread where people submit their songs, and then we play a handful of those, bring in a few of our own, we talk about the music, and we just love the shit out of the sound. We listen, we we talk, we listen, we talk, it's great. I'm having a lot of fun with it, and I just last night released the second submission thread, and the two themes for this next episode are going to be overworld themes and character theme songs, and the premise behind that is that they both are kind of genres that... Uh, that a game can be identified with, you know, there's mm-hmm. that for, it's the, these are the key songs. These, are the anthems of the game, yep. the characters. So I wanted to tie those two together and we've already got a ton of great submissions, which is already going to make the the voting process between you and I very challenging. This is true. So I hope that people flood it with even more submissions because it's really fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So listen to it. If you, if you're subscribed to us on iTunes, Then you're already getting that podcast because instead of doing separate feeds, we're doing just one feed for Negative World for the time being unless we get some sort of big conglomerate full of like 20 different types of shows. But for Mm -hmm. now, we've got this show, Euphonic, and occasionally the Depression cast I think will make an appearance. So we'll just keep it all in one feed. Please listen. Don't just delete it because it doesn't say Negative World Podcast. (laughs) And that, my friends, wraps up another episode of the Negative World Podcast. We'd like you to comment on what you've heard, as usual, on negativeworld.org. Just find the thread that's associated with this episode. And if you don't want to subscribe to Negative World, you can reach us through the Facebook page. You just got to search for negativeworld.org. Or you can follow us on Twitter at negative underscore world. Please subscribe to the Enhanced Podcast if you want a little bit uh, of the art and chapter marking. And that's about it. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. It's been great to have... Uh, a guest on, yes, it was great. It was fun. Yeah, and uh, and please come back soon. And no, I will. And Joe, thanks again as always for being a co-host with me. Thank you
1: as always. Had a great time, and yes, thank you, Chris. Yep.
0: And uh, although no, thank you for your icon, <laughs> which has been staring at us for. Uh, oh, so long. Um, That's what it's there so for. And I, I'm, yeah. I'm not even scared of it anymore. It's just, uh, it's, it's just, yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody, so nobody old. at home knows what the hell we're talking it's about. It's Judging you weak. We'll we'll post it in the thread. Maybe we should. <laughs> Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Thanks again, guys, and thanks to everyone who's listening. Uh, we really appreciate the fans. So sure do. You all have a wonderful we'll night, and see ya. Bye bye.